Great to have your company for LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. I'm Andrew Morris, and over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll discuss your questions about life and faith. Uh, it's three questions, and uh, today we're looking at uh, the issue of sins, and are they all equal in God's sight? Um, referring to God as Daddy. But first, David, my friend has a serious illness and refuses to seek medical attention because she believes God will heal her. How should I respond to that? Well, Andrew, you know, in a lot of these answers to questions, I'm taking the view, well, look, there's this way of looking at it, that way of looking at it, and yes, it's it's not all black and white. Let's be black and white on this one. I think this person's friend is very sadly mistaken. Um, okay, if she sought medical help and has gone as far as she can with it and has said, well, look, the medicos have helped me as far as I can, but now I simply rely on God, that's fine. Uh, that, that's, that's not only natural but obvious to do as a Christian. But look, it's not good at all to drive a wedge between God healing us and medicine healing us. And I think that's what this person is doing. They're basically saying, look here, either God heals me or medicine heals me. Well, I don't think that's a that's a, a right division. God uses medicine and we can't dictate to him, for example, how we will bring healing to us. I mean, God brings healing to us all the time, but often it's through um, taking a pill, going to the doctor, undergoing surgery, what, what, whatever it is. Um, I think when she asked how she should respond to this, um, um, try telling her that medicine and a doctor and surgery can be God's means of healing. Tell her that, look, it's, it's silly to say I'm not going to get medical attention because I want God to heal me because it may well be that God wants to heal her through getting medical attention. So uh, it, well, the, the interesting thing here is her approach sounds so spiritual. Oh, how spiritual I am. I'm going to rely on God. In fact, it's not very spiritual at all. It's not very faith-filled because I think what this person is doing is not so much exercising strong faith, but I think they're limiting God. I think God can heal with medical means. And this person is saying, no, I'm not going to let God do that. I am I, I am basically dictating to God how he's going to heal me. Where does that misconception come from that, that we, we only rely or we seek God's intervention rather than that of medical? Well, I think sometimes it can be as mundane as we don't like doctors. We don't want to go to doctors. We're suspicious of them. Or it can be more spiritual sounding in that we might look back to the Gospels and say, well, Jesus healed without doctors, so um, that should be right for us. But that's uh, that's rather silly because, uh, of course, they didn't have all those medical things in those days. So, of course, Jesus didn't heal through what we might call medical means generally because he didn't have those means available to him. So I think people can do that. And also, it, it, I, I think it, sadly here, uh, without being too cynical, it can be a case of this person trying to, as it were, come across as super-duper-duper spiritual. Oh, all these other people go to doctors for healing. I am going to God. And it sounds all frightfully spiritual. But as I say, I think it can be a pride thing. And I think it's very misguided because, see, doctors and medicine are not the alternatives to divine healing. Uh, they're one means of divine healing. I, I've, I've been healed of many, many things. And so have you and so have many people over the years. But they heal through um, taking a pill, taking medical advice, maybe undergoing surgery and so on. Uh, and, and, and that's just every bit of divine as God stepping in beyond medical means. I do want to stress that we don't confine God's healing to medical means. Obviously, we don't want to do that. God can go way beyond medicine. But let's not exclude God from the medical process because I think that's a false division. And I think, sadly, it can arise out of some sort of spiritual pride and a distorted understanding of the nature of healing. 
You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, Andrew Morris. Great to have your company. Our second question, David, is... Are all sins equally bad in God's sight? Oh, here's one of those where you can say yes and no. Um, because, let's face it, each and every imperfection keeps us from God. Christians believe that it's only Jesus' perfect goodness that allows us to relate to him. So all sins are equally bad. If I'm 99% good and 1% of me is not so good that I sin, well, that 1% will keep me away from God just as much as 90% sin Mm. will keep me away from God. You see, God doesn't tolerate the little sins and pounce on the big ones. Any little speck of sin in our life will keep us from God. So in that sense, yes, all sins are, as it were, equal in terms of the consequence of making us estranged from God. But we've got to be careful to qualify that very heavily because not all sins have equal human consequences. See, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that lust might lead to adultery, but lust is not adultery. I can lust after someone as a Christian minister and have to repent of it and so on, but if I commit adultery, I'd lose my job. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's different human consequences. Anger may lead to murder, but anger's not a crime, whereas murder is. If I'm angry at someone, then uh, yes, that's not good and I might have to deal with it, but if I murder someone, well, that's utterly different. Coveting leads to theft, but they're not equal in terms of outward consequences. I can inwardly covet someone's property, but then if I go and actually rob them of that property, then the law has to step in. So what I'm trying to say is that 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 while all sins may be equal in the sense of every sin can keep you from God and God takes all sins seriously, our sins will have different human consequences. See, it, it's true that someone who avoids paying a train fare is a sinner, just as a child murderer is a sinner. Each you could regard as a sin. You don't just dismiss one and take the other seriously. But it's absurd to equate them. Uh, It's absurd to equate them. When I was a kid, I think I did dodge the fare, a bus fare on the way to school from time to time. Now, that's not a good thing, but it doesn't put me in the same category as a child murderer. Each is disapproved of by God, but one will have far greater consequences than the other. So I think the answer is, while we have to admit that we all sin and each and every sin can keep us from God... Some sin more seriously in human terms. So I think it's too simplistic to simply say all sins are equally bad. Yes, they are equally bad in that they have the consequence of keeping us from God. But some sins in human terms are worse than others because of the human and earthly consequences. Thanks, David. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. You can subscribe to the podcast through uh, the iTunes store. Just simply go to iTunes and search for Hope Media Limited. And you'll find the LifeWords Q&A podcast there. And they'll come into your uh, iTunes account every week. Okay, our third question, David, is my group leader in church urges us to call God Daddy in our prayers. He says the Bible teaches it, but I'm uneasy about it. Well, first of all, that, that teaching comes from Romans 8, where um, in that chapter of the book of Romans, um, Paul says that uh, we call God Abba, Father, and Abba in the original language means something like dearest father. And what it suggests is we have a deep, close, personal relationship with God. What Paul is saying there is, look, he's not some distant, abstract, supreme deity in some corner of the universe. Uh, he, he, You can have a close, personal relationship with him, which, which ideally, in a human sense, is characterised by a child and a father. But 
daddy is not the only way that is, uh, there's not the only interpretation of that term, Abba Father. I can understand why the group leader might be saying that. The group leader, I think, would be better advised that is to urge those group members to, to recognise that God is a close personal loving father and and regard yourself as a privileged child of God as you relate to him and and if he wants to say look I call God daddy well good on him personally I don't call God daddy because I don't think I even call my dad daddy and and so I think I wouldn't sort of say that you've got to call God daddy but what you I think you have to do in the spirit of Romans eight is to address God as someone who is, while he's great and majestic and mighty and just and so on, he is also a personal father for you to draw close, uh, and you can draw close to him. But 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 how you express that closeness is um, up to you. Mind you, I, I think it's it's fought with danger to talk about the you know the fatherhood of God like this because for some people. They're uneasy because their own fathers were not very good. Mm. And uh, their own daddies, sadly, may have been abusive. And so you've got to be tread very carefully here. So if we unwisely urge people to call God daddy, some people might recoil at that and think, oh, that brings up pictures of my own daddy. And they're not very good pictures at all. So we've just got to tread a little bit carefully there. The Bible doesn't tell us to call God daddy. Now, if it suits you to do so, you're not sinning, you're not making a, a mistake. But it's only one way of expressing the truth of this text. I think as long as we have the idea that God is close, personal, real, and wants to have that in the best sense of fatherly relationship with us, well, you can call God whatever you like, which fits in with your training, your background, your understanding of your own earthly father, as long as you realise he is the true, ideal, heavenly father. Thanks, David. I think, yeah, it's funny how how our churches can often encourage, well, make us want to do things or communicate with God in a particular kind of way. I guess it's important to be yourself. Yes. And and I guess the encouragement to to realize in this case that that he's maybe that the leader is trying to communicate that God is a close a close friend, a close father, rather than a distant, angry God. There's we can see the point there, but uh, it's important oh, yes. to be yourself, I guess, as well. We can see the point. I mean, it raises a much broader issue that you, that covers a lot of um, questions that we tend to uh, relate to God in our particular way, to use our particular form of words and whatever, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then when those in positions of leadership and authority then attempt to say to others, this is the way everyone's got to do it, then that's the problem. Because as you say, we're all individuals. And as long as we keep the general principles of relating to God in mind, we are free to um, express those principles in our own way. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A. David, thanks again for hanging out with us and you. um, answering uh, your questions. If you've got a question out of today's episode, please email us. Uh, the email address is lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. And we'll speak to you next time.